I am 25 and in a hotel room in LA right now and I don't really know why or how or what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I'm literally sat on my hotel room bed and it has been a fucking journey guys. Like I, wow, yeah, no, LA tried to kick me the fuck out and I don't know why I resisted. So basically, I'm going to explain the law of what happened with my Airbnb because it has been a couple of weeks now. It's actually been a month since I got to LA um, and the situation still isn't resolved, but it kind of fucked up my entire trip. So I made a video about it about a week after it happened, just so I knew that it was like safe to make a video about the situation. And basically what happened is I booked an Airbnb for two months in Santa Monica and it was all fine. Everything went through. There was no reason for me to doubt that this was going to be like a dodgy situation or anything. Like I've stayed with Airbnb before. I stayed with Airbnb in Amsterdam and I've never really like heard anyone I know have any issue with them. So I've never really been exposed to this kind of like horror story side of Airbnb. So I don't think anything of it. Um, and then we get to the apartment I flew out with my dad and like, thank fucking God. I said to this man, I was like, listen, just like fly out with me and then like fly home by yourself. And like, obviously my dad's not going to take two months off work, but I was like, just fly out with me. <clears throat> You'll get a holiday out of it. And then it won't feel as long, like when we're apart, whatever. So my dad flew out with me and moved me into my Airbnb. And then we went to get drinks or no we went to target sorry so we dropped off our suitcases at the airbnb and then we went to target because i like needed deodorant and like you know vaseline and just like a few things that i had forgotten so went to target went to pick those up went back to the airbnb i like freshened up touched up my makeup redid my hair and then we went out but before we left the airbnb i do remember thinking like oh like it looks like someone was just here like, you know, when you get to an Airbnb or a hotel, obviously, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people have stayed there, but you don't want it to look like that. So <laughs> I walked into this Airbnb and I was a bit like, okay, it's a bit like, you know, like things do look a bit dirty and like there were running shoes that were out and stuff. And I don't know, it just kind of looked like someone had just left, you know, but I didn't think anything of it. I was like, maybe this host has just had someone in and out, like, you know, whatever. Uh, no big deal. Like, I've got someone to sleep for the next two months. Like, that's all I really care about. So we leave the Airbnb and we go to Venice. So, you know, it's like, what, a 20 minute walk on the beach. And we go out for drinks. And then we're going to go back to the Airbnb because at this point, it's like the sun has set and we have been traveling all day. So we're like, let's just go back to the Airbnb. I get a message from the Airbnb host and she's like, there's a power outage. Like you might not be able to get into the building. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, okay, if there's a power outage, does that mean that anyone can access the room, the, the like house that we're staying in? Because it was locked by like an electric pin pad. And she was like, no, no, like everything's fine. And so we try and go in and obviously it doesn't work. So then I message her and she's like, okay, when you come back, let me know. And I have someone in the apartment building to let you in. So I do message her when I come back again, uh, which is like three hours later. And I'm like, I'm on my way. 
And she's like, oh, you don't need someone there to open the door because like the power's back on, everything's fine. I'm like, gorgeous, great. Gonna go straight to sleep. Like what a day, you know, I'm here. The beginning of two months in LA of like finding myself and being free and just, you know, it was just meant to be this like really fun thing that I did for myself. I get back into the fucking Airbnb and open the door and there is a man going through my suitcase. And when I made this TikTok video explaining this situation, a lot of people were saying to me like, well, why did you just pack up your stuff and leave? Like, why did you react that way? Why didn't you ring the police, etc., etc." And let me just say one, my first response to any scary situation, any like bad situation, whatever, is not to ring the police. Sorry. Um, I know a lot of people think that the police are like their protectors and like that's their go-to. I've never felt protected by the police. Um, so I would never ring the police first and foremost. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, secondly, I don't think anyone is in any position to judge somebody's response in a situation of like high anxiety, you know, like you can, you never know what you're going to do in a moment like that. I've been mugged before. And I remember before I ever got mugged, I would, I was like learning about fight or flight in psychology. And I was like, oh my God, I'd fight. Like no one could fuck with me. Like I would fight. Da, 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 da. I got mugged. I stood there like a fucking sausage. Like I stood still. So you can never predict how you're going to react in this situation. And personally, I'm quite proud of how I handled this situation, but let's get into it. So I walk into the Airbnb and there's a man going through my suitcase and I'm like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And I'm like, hello. Because I'm like, oh, it's, it's probably the Airbnb host or like a double booking by mistake or something. I don't know. I've watched many a fucking Netflix rom-com, okay? I was like, maybe we've been double booked and like we've both been booked in for the same week or two, whatever. And so I'm like going in in a friendly manner as to be like, oh, like what's the situation? And then I realized that he's going through my suitcase and not his. And so I'm like, why are you going through my stuff? My dad, I can see, is like getting ready to start yelling. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, wait a minute. I have to like get a handle on this because like, if it was my dad defending himself, I'd be like, okay, silly Billy, whatever. My dad defending me, that's when I'm like, okay, let's let's stop this before this escalates even further, okay? <laughs> so yeah, I was like, okay, like, who are you? And then he didn't respond. And then I was like, are you the Airbnb host? And he was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm Mary thinking like, you know who I am, you know? And he didn't say anything. Um, and bearing in mind, I don't think that English was his first language. Like he really didn't speak English well. Um, but he also wasn't very coherent. So it could be one or the other or a mix of both. But then I was like, why are you going through my suitcase? And he was like, I'm helping you unpack. And I was like, oh, that's so fine. Um, I, I don't unpack. And he was like, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm looking for a gun. And in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, um, I, I need to go. So I literally said to him, I was like, are you going to stay here? He says, yeah, we both are. And I say, absolutely not. You have this place for yourself. And I pack up all of my stuff because he has unpacked all of my stuff like my Dyson is on charge, like, my laptop's on charge, like, he's plugged in all my shit into, like, all the outlets, 
taken out all my skincare, used all my products, used my razors that I bought literally not even five hours before, like done all of this, whatever. And obviously this whole time I'm under the impression this is my Airbnb host. And so I'm like, oh my God, like I, I was tricked. I was deceived. I was put into a trap. Like I genuinely thought that Airbnb was like, okay, I have signed up to be trafficked or something, you know what I mean? Or robbed or killed, I don't know. Like I just genuinely thought that like my Airbnb host had done this. So I was like, I'm out. Like I packed everything up and then me and my dad were like stood basically on the beach. At this point it's like 11 p.m. and it's so fucking cold. I'm like in shorts, obviously like British girl goes to LA in no, in, sorry, not November, in September and she's in fucking shorts, like, girl, put a jacket on, but still, I'm, like, shivering my ass off, and my phone is not working, my dad has a brick phone, like, my dad does not use a smartphone, does not use technology, so I'm the one who's ordering Ubers, my phone is not working, I have absolutely no idea why, and I just got a new phone, like, not even five days before I left, and I didn't realize that I didn't add on my data roaming package that has always been on my phone contract, because, like, I just forgot this time that like you have to add it on just because I always add it on it just felt so natural you know anyway so forgot to add it on so I'm standing on the beach and I'm like buying data and every time I get to like the part of the uber app where it's like typing your address my phone's like you've used up all your data and I'm like oh my god like how am I spending 30 pounds every single time on data and then it's dying before I can even order an uber so whatever then I buy like a week-long package dies two hours later but anyway a week-long package and I order an uber to the downtown Citizen M hotel and I like thank god I had been to LA before because I don't know what the fuck I would have done if I'd never been to LA before but I stayed in the Citizen M last time I was here so I was like okay let's go we went straight there I was like I need a room for myself I need a room for my dad one week thank you so much went got that done and then this whole time I'm like trying to book a hotel and like figure out whether or not I should cancel this whole two month trip and just go home with my dad or like, you know, like what the fuck to do. Airbnb are ringing me every like two seconds and then the phone's cutting out. Obviously cause I'm like driving down the highway, like in the middle of fucking nowhere. And every time the phone cuts out and they ring me back, then we have to go through the security process again. And like, oh, but there's just like so many things adding up. And I'm like trying to tell this man, I'm like, I'm fearing for my life. Like I'm on the phone to Airbnb, literally imagine this, in the back of an Uber, begging for safety, like actually begging for safety. And the guy is just like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy, bro. And I'm like, sure is, I'm gonna be talking about this in therapy in a couple of years. So anyway, the Airbnb situation is not helping me at all. Like nobody at that fucking company helped me that night. And so I was like, I'm gonna go to sleep. So I literally smoked a pre-roll. Thank God I bought those before this whole thing happened. Smoked a pre-roll, had actually a terrible sleep, but like fell asleep quite easily. And then I woke up in the morning to a message from the Airbnb host on Air on the Airbnb app saying what had ha like what happened to the apartment it's trashed and i was like what are you talking about 
But at first I didn't respond, actually, yeah. Let me take that back. At first I didn't respond. I didn't respond for a day because I was like, oh my God, psychopath, like this man tried to kill me. But then the Airbnb host messaged me on Instagram and that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cooperate now because now we've taken it a bit too far. Now we've found my personal social media and this has gone a little bit too far. So I'm gonna cooperate. So I went onto Airbnb and I was like, hey, hey bestie, oh, how are you? <laughs> no, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I didn't stay in the apartment. And we're having this back and forth, blah, blah, blah. We kind of come to the conclusion that neither of us really know what's going on. And she wasn't at the apartment. Um, and the person I met wasn't her. However, let me just say, before I continue with this story, upon four weeks of pondering and thinking about this situation there is no way to get into that apartment without knowing the code like it just it's impossible to get into that apartment without knowing the code not only is there a code for the front door there is a code for the front door of the apartment like the actual door of the thing you're going in and the building like I just don't get it, right? Like, if the power outage didn't affect the locks, in which they didn't, which it was proved to me that they didn't because I tried to get into the apartment and the lock wouldn't open, then someone has to know the password. And people have been saying to me, they're like, do you think the Airbnb host set you up? Like, gave someone the password? Because there was no proof of, like, forced entry or anything he was just chilling like he had just had a shower like he was comfortable do you know what I mean like I don't know I don't I don't, I don't hear that many burglars like having a shower um but anyway so that was that was the night it, it literally the event lasted what five minutes max and a majority of that was me packing up my shit and this man just like standing there in silence um and then we're checked into Citizen M. It's fine. I'm like trying. I've cried a bit at this point. Like once we check into the hotel, I'm also about to start my period. So I'm like sobbing actually. But I didn't cry the whole time until I had like booked everything and could just breathe. And then I was like, oh my God, like that was terrifying. And then I go to sleep. I wake up the next morning. Then I see the message on Instagram. I'm like, I'm going to fucking die. I respond to her on Airbnb and we come to the conclusion, yes, no one knows what's going on here. This whole time I'm like to Airbnb, you need to give me a full refund right this second. Like, I don't even want to hear you say three to five business days. Like, you need to give me a full refund this second. Because to me, this is how I see it and I, I think how I see it is correct. If I have made a 43-day booking with your company and on day one, your company has put my life at risk in the place I was meant to stay for the next 43 nights, you now have to do everything in your power to find me accommodation for the next 43 nights. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't really think that's unreasonable. But alas, they didn't do that. Um, so I spent like £2,000 on a hotel for one week and then it just kept adding up 
because then I had to get another hotel and then another hotel. And then I booked a Sonda, which is kind of like Airbnb, but they kind of like rent out buildings rather than like your individual home. It's like a, a hotel under Sonda. I don't know. Google it. Um, I, like for the remainder of my trip. And it's just been such a hassle and fucking waste of money. Like I will look back on this trip with resentment about nothing else apart from how much fucking money I had to spend. Like literally, I think that pisses me off more than the catalyst of all of this, who was the guy that broke into the Airbnb. Like the amount of money I've had to spend on hotels is ridiculous. And the lack of help I've had from Airbnb, which has caused me to spend this much money on hotels, has outraged me. Like, I will never fucking use Airbnb again. And I actually actively encourage everybody else to never fucking use Airbnb again. But, like, it's just crazy to me. Like, for weeks on end now, I have been asking Airbnb, like, can you help me find accommodation? Can can we come to some sort of resolution? Like, is there any sort of reimbursement that you can give me? Like, I had to cover what you fucked up. Um, and they have been the most useless company I have ever encountered in my life. So big fat fuck you to Airbnb. Um, and I was thinking about this, like, you know, you kind of reach this point when you do social media, I guess, where people are like, you know, you have to be careful about what you say online, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I just think the thing about me is that I, I do just have public beef. I do. What's the point of keeping it a secret? Do you know what I mean? It's just going to harbour in me. Fuck you, Airbnb. That's my public beef. Like I, you know, when people are like, oh my God, but you could jeopardise a brand deal. Why the fuck would I want to work with a brand that I hate? Like, <laughs> like actually think about that. Because Airbnb did say to me, after like week three, they were like to me, do you want us to give you another Airbnb? And I was like, do you have brain cells? I'm traumatized. I would never in my entire life want to step foot in another Airbnb again. Like I have not been able to have one peaceful night's sleep since that night because I am waking up in terror. <laughs> like I laugh about it because what else am I meant to do? But like that is really, really fucking traumatizing. But yeah, that's literally like what has been going on and like what the fuck I've been doing in LA. Well, no, that's how my LA trip started. That's not what I've been doing in LA. Um, but isn't that just insane? Like literally when I like tell my friends about it, we all came to the agreement like, yeah, obviously it happened to me. Like, obviously. Even when I was talking to my dad about it, I was just like, obviously, like, duh. Like, it just makes so much sense. Like, yeah, of course, like... Of course, the most traumatic thing that could happen when you move into an Airbnb is going to happen to her. Like, ding, 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 ding. So, yeah, I wasn't really surprised. Um, but obviously I was surprised. No one's expecting a fucking burglar. But, like, I just, you know, I've really been practicing working on my mindset and how I approach situations and how I, like, think about different things. And I remember that night just thinking like there was another family in that apartment complex where um there were there was like an Airbnb host um and they had like two parents and a very, very young baby. 
And literally as we were leaving the apartment after that guy was in our Airbnb, I was just like, do you know what? If it had to be me that gets like the fucking scare of their life and then we'll talk about this in therapy in six years time, then so be it. Then it like fucking up a family's vacation with a newborn. Like, you know, like me and my dad are going to be okay. Like we're going to come back from this. (laughs) We're going to be fine. But like there was a newborn in another Airbnb, which I was just like, yeah, when you actually look at it, it's like, I know there are so many philosophical questions into that kind of mindset. But for me, my philosophy behind it is like, yeah, better me than a family of a newborn, you know? But other than that, LA has been okay. Actually, no, I say that a few days later, a man did yell in my face telling me he was going to kill himself because um, I wouldn't give him a cigarette. Bearing in mind, I wasn't smoking a cigarette. My dad was. So that was that was interesting. <laughs> but no, I've been like, I don't know. I've been like in this weird kind of bleh about being in LA. Like whenever people are like, how is it? I'm like, well, like, how do you really explain how you're feeling about a trip that started off so so wrong, you know, like, because this is the thing, like, I always say that you should never, ever build things up in your head, and I really did let myself build this up, and, like, if this was the universe's cruel, cruel fucking way of reminding me to stop doing that, then, like, so be it, but, yeah, I don't know, I kind of just had to sit with the disappointment for a couple days, like, after my dad left, Uh, because whilst he was here, I was like, okay, like, let's just do everything, like, let's go to Malibu, and, like, you know, like, let's do all these things, um, and then, like, when he's gone, like, I don't need to do anything, you know, like, he's on a time crunch, he's got, like, seven days here, like, I have two months, so when my dad left, there was, like, two days where I just kind of, like, sat in my hotel room with this kind of, like, disappointment of, like, what the fuck, Mary, like, how did, how did this already fuck up, like, you know, like, can I not do anything right? And like, kind of blaming myself and being pissed at myself, especially because like, I just turned 25. And like, it was literally an exact week after my 25th birthday, which was like such a joyful, wonderful day where I was just so surrounded by love and like really felt for the first time that like life was kind of lifing in a good way. And like, you know, and like, I cried a lot on my birthday, but like out of absolute happiness and joy. And then, like, the juxtaposition of the next week being, like, just all that joy kind of crushed. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. LA. LA, you crazy, crazy girl. It's just, like, people ask me how I feel about LA, and I don't, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, the thing with LA is that it's so it's so romanticized to me because it's just really somewhere I never imagined myself ever visiting when I was younger. Like I didn't go on holidays until I was old enough to travel alone. And I always wanted to be in the big cities with bright lights as soon as I had my own money. So LA is quite fascinating to me. And I think that's why people don't get when they want to know why I decided to run away to LA for a couple months. Like it's not that I think it's the most beautiful place in the world or anything like that. It's purely because I don't understand LA. Like, I like the mystery of not understanding LA. I've also been walking around Silver Lake and Echo Park so, so much. It was a lot easier when I was staying in downtown. When I was staying in Hollywood, fucking hell, that is quite a walk. But 
because I've been trying to walk, oh yeah, I've been trying to walk everywhere, guys, like, I'm trying to be a walker, also because I did spend, like, a grand on Ubers in the first week of, no, like, the first month of being here, and I just don't think that's, like, normal, so I am trying to walk more, even though it's fucking impossible to walk in LA, but I'm trying, but when I was in downtown, I would walk from downtown to Silver Lake, because I was going to Y7 Yoga in Silver Lake, and then I would, like, go and get coffee, and go and get breakfast, and, like, maybe a little ice cream, or whatever, and I would have my AirPods in and I would listen to Punisher by Phoebe Bridges on a loop because so much of her discography is connected to the east side of LA and the way she talks about Elliot Smith and Punisher is very much how I would speak about her. Like, it's funny because I'm always kind of one degree of separation from her and I never ever ever want to meet her because I wouldn't know what to do. Like, for me, she is the Beatles, you know, like, the way that Actually, no, my dad doesn't really rate the Beatles that much. Like, okay, Phoebe Bridges to me is like what Dire Straits is to my dad. You know, like everyone has that one band, that one musician, that one just like person, group, collective who made sense of your world with music for the first time. And like that really was like Phoebe Bridges for me. Like she is my Roman Empire, if you will. But, um, she also released Punisher in not just a horrible time in like my life, but like a collective horrible time in everyone's lives during the pandemic. So I feel like me and the album do actually have a trauma bond so deep that I could do a PhD on it. So sometimes people I know will mention that they're like going to an event that she's at or like, I don't know, something about being with her. And I'm like, well, bye, going to bed. I cannot perceive that somebody so artistically gifted could coexist in a timeline with me. No, that, no. I will just walk around Silver Lake listening to and hear everyone knows all the way to my heart in my AirPods and that that will have to be enough. Because also like that song is about Elliot Smith and like her being a punisher to him. And I, I love it so much, especially like I think I've unlocked new levels of love for that song, listening to it, walking past the Silver Lake Lounge Bar, which is like the bar that Elliot Smith used to go to and the bar in and here everyone knows you're the way to my heart had so many stories of you at the bar ding 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 the phoebe bridges law school law l-o-r-e not law if that makes sense if you know what i'm doing that was meant to be a gavel but okay anyway also in LA, I have seen the 1975. Yes, I went to see the 1975 at the Hollywood Bowl and I went by myself and I was actually terrified, okay? I've been to a fair amount of concerts by myself and of varying sizes. Like I've been to the O2 and I've been to like Brixton, both by myself and they're both very different capacities, you know? So I kind of thought I was okay with going to concerts by myself. And I realized that I'm okay with going to concerts by myself in England, not so much in America. So I was like panicking so much because first of all, I've never been to a concert in America before. And I am like so British, it is quite disgusting to anyone who's not British. And I say that as like, not, you know, like, oh, going down the pub, love. But like, you know, my, I, sometimes things, things happen that I can't control, you know, like, okay, when I'm at a concert, I do have gun fingers the entire time, you know, like it just, it, it just, (laughs) there's no excuse for it. Really. I'm just British. Um, And so I know there are like concert differences and 
This was made so clear when the 1975 released their um, self-titled, like, In Manchester album recently. And you can hear the crowd, because it's like a live album, if I didn't say that. And they're singing along to the introduction of menswear. And a lot of American fans were like, who the fuck sings along to the introduction of the song? And I was like, oh, there is a difference in how we perceive music at concerts. Got it. And I will say, for the most part, the 1975 concert was good. I didn't notice that many cultural differences in concert etiquette. However, I will say, there's this one guy next to me, and basically, it was, well, I had seated tickets, which I never fucking do, but like, oh my God, how much do you Americans pay for standing tickets? Those are fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, so I had like seated tickets and they, they were like, not too bad. They were basically like in this, the middle of the Hollywood Bowl. And I was like third row, third seat in on the like middle rows. And then like a group of five guys came to sit next to me. And then on the other side, like other people were coming in to sit on the same row. And there was this guy in our row who would not stop screaming. And I'm like here for screaming at concerts. Like I scream at concerts. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not the person that's going to tell you to be quiet at a concert. I don't believe in that. I believe in like vocalizing. But sometimes you need to shut the fuck up because this was like ridiculous. Like it, it wasn't like fan behavior. It was like Matty Healy was talking and he was like, shut the fuck up and sing. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, this is crazy. And then obviously they did a show like the next night, wherever else in fucking California or the West coast that they are. And Matty Healy gave that speech about like basically his apology. And then all these people were like, I went to this concert and I like fucking hate them. And I was like, oh my God, why do you people go to concerts with people you don't like? Like that is insane. I'm sorry. I could, I don't think I have ever in my entire life met anybody who has like gone to a concert of somebody they actively hate. Why would you do that? That just doesn't make any sense. Like anyway, I just think it's very strange. I think it's very strange, but that was all I really noticed. Um, merch sells out super fast. And I will actually say American sizes for merch, very true to size. British sizes for merch, one big fat lie. I'm telling you right now, when you get British merch, the largest size they will sell you is a 10. Like there is not an extra large. If you wear oversized 10 or you <laughs> just want an oversized look, it's not happening for you. No, sorry. And they, they look you dead in the eyes and tell you, here's an extra large and it's an eight. Okay. Anyway. Um, but here I was like, obviously so used to the UK being like a lie. So I was like, can I get an extra large? Cause that's why I order every, every single time I buy merch in the UK. I order a large or an extra large. And I was like, let me get an extra large. I am drowning in this fucking top that I bought at the 1975 concert. <laughs> it's so big for me. And I'm like, oh, okay. But this, this is a good thing though, because I did say like in a TikTok video I made, I was like, I'm going to see Boy Genius at the end of the month um, at the Hollywood Bowl as well. So it will be good to go and like 
get a lay of the land, like see what the vibe is, see like how you get in there, what security's like, bag policies, things like that. And I think, yeah, going to see the 1975 first really helped because I do have pit stand-in tickets for Boy Genius. I don't want to talk about how much I paid for them. Um, there are two things you never ask a woman, how old she is and how much she paid for her Boo Genius tickets. So, you know, we won't go into it. But I am also going to that by myself and I was like quite worried because I was looking at the layout of the Hollywood Bowl and for a lot of concerts that they have there, it's all seated, so the pit isn't even standing. And so that's what I thought it would be, but then for the 1975, they were standing in the pit. Um, and then everyone else was standing as well, which I thought was really cool. Um, but then, because I'm going to be in the pit for Bordrinius, I was like, fuck, i got to see the seating situation, because I didn't know if it was like every man for themselves, and it's like everyone with a pit ticket turns up, and like, it's first come, first served, or like, because I'm not fucking camping. No, 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 not in the Hollywood Hills, not me, not me. I've watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm not sleeping on the streets of the Hollywood Hills, no, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't know what the vibe was. And then I went to 1975, saw the vibe. It's just, like, very ordinary general admission standing at any concert, or, like, any British concert, sorry. Um, and then... I did realise though that the merchandise sells out extremely fucking fast. And I feel like for the Boy Genius gig, they I hope they do like a limited edition poster for Halloween. Who knows? But I hope they do. And if they do, then I'm like, oh, I've got to get that early. I just, I, when I go to concerts by myself, I like to turn up at the like very last second because it just avoids any anxiety or like panic attacks. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, I don't have to, like, avoid eye contact or, like, feel uncomfortable for too long if I get there, like, right before the show starts. Um, but I will say, when I went to see Arctic Monkeys by myself, my ass was up there at 6am. Like, I don't care. I was front row for that concert. Like, I <laughs> I was there at 6am at Starbucks at the O2, like, ready to devote my life to Alex Turner. Um, but I'm not doing that for Boy Genius. Sorry, I'm 25. I'm too old. Bye. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know, I kind of, like, wanted to make this about turning 25, but then obviously, like, Airbnb situation, and so wanted to speak about that, but I do kind of still want to talk about, like, turning 25 and, like, how 24 felt for me and things like that, because I'm actually quite surprised by how I'm dealing with this, and I'm quite surprised that I'm not more panicked about being 25, and I have realised that I haven't even been telling people I'm 25 when they're asking for my age, like, it's completely slipping my mind, and I'm actually quite happy about that, because I tend to do this thing every single year, where as soon as it's my birthday, my birthday is the only day of the year where I'll tell you my real age, because every day after that, I'll be like, oh, I'm nearly, and then it's, like, the year after, and I'm, like, consistently living in the future, um, and last year, I think I really got a, a handle on it. And I was like, I'm 24, I'm 24, you know, like, I really, I actually really loved being 24. Um, so I kind of wore that as a badge of honour. Um, but 25, like, I it just, like, I, I keep forgetting. I'm like, how am I 25? That doesn't really feel real. But I think I'm, like, looking back on 24, and I think the biggest takeaway is, like, how many times I tried and failed. And, like, I'm not mad at myself at all. Like, realistically, I'm not really someone who gets that mad at myself. 
if I like try and do something in secret and it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Like I get more mad at myself if there's like a standard that other people are holding me to. Like I get mad at myself if I fail a test that somebody else marked. But if I like fail a test that I'm like self-reviewed, I literally would be like, okay, so anyway. You know what I mean? Like my whole thing is like pleasing other people rather than myself. But I think from trying and failing so much on like just small things, like literally nothing even big guys. Like it's not like I was like trying to sell a book or something like that. Literally I just mean like fucking running more or something, you know, like these goals that I would set myself. And then I just like wouldn't live up to them. And it kind of made me realize that it's never too late for me to be the person that I've always wanted to be. But like, I'm the only person that can do something about it. And so coming to LA was kind of part of that. It was part of me solidifying that like, I, I can reinvent myself and be whoever the fuck I want to be. And literally no one can stop me from doing that. And so there is like a part of me that like, you know, probably shouldn't romanticize probably one of the most traumatic days of this year but like a part of me is like was that kind of like the the sign of like you handled that you know like you handled that situation when you thought everything was going to go so smoothly you handled that you didn't have a meltdown you know you kept your cool you kept your shit together you've proved to yourself on day one that you can be the person you want to be now you have to continue it you know like I don't know. Some people probably might marry that's fuck. Like that was such a scary day. But I mean, if you're, if you get it, you get it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It just kind of like, there's this fucked up feeling. Of like, I'm just, I'm just trying so, so hard to change my life for the better. Like I'm 25 and I know that is so young, but like I had so many goals and so many dreams and it's just, a kind of fucked up feeling of getting to an age where you thought you would have accomplished so much and you're just like fucking burnt out and uninspired and like constantly feeling like a failure. It's just, you know, like this isn't where I expected to be. And kind of like understanding and respecting the fact that like the dreams that I made for myself as a 10 year old aren't feasible. I didn't have the fully developed prefrontal cortex to understand that by the time I am 25, I'm still gonna be a baby. Like, I'm still gonna be living in the same bedroom that I was living in when I made those exact dreams. You know, it's like, you know, you can't you can't hold yourself to a, a dream you had when you were 10. But I do, because there's a part of me that knows that those are the only things that I have never given up on, like truly never given up on. But alas, here we are trying to figure out some more dreams for the new me. I don't know, I feel like for 25, I really wanna focus more on like being a good person. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I do try and be a good person consciously every day, but I mean more so on like a profound level in like relationships that have already been formed. Like I'm kind of at a place where I'm realizing, like really realizing my flaws and like how I'm the only one in control of them. And if I want to live my life to the fullest, then I have to change them. And I'm very stubborn with my beliefs. And in turn, that's kind of been my downfall. Like for a long time, I never understood why people would put so much value in texting and FaceTiming because to me it's useless. 
I'll see you in real life. We can have a human experience and we can experience each other's human emotion a lot better than through a screen. But, you know, now I understand that for some people that really is important. And also now I have so many long distance friends that that sounded like such a brag. Me telling 21 year old me, you have so many long distance friends. No, I have like four, but still like, it's really important to speak to your people because you have to meet people where they are. And I don't think in regards to FaceTime and texting and really just trying to understand why that means so much to people. I don't think I was meeting people where they were. And yeah, I don't know. It kind of, it was weird because it was like recently I like put my phone on do not disturb when I stopped my antidepressants because I was like going through it and I hadn't responded to Veronica and she thought I was mad at her. And I felt so bad because I know that when people don't respond to me, that's where my brain goes. And communication is easy. All it took was for me to say, I'm not going to be on my phone right now, or I'm not in a good headspace. I can't really talk right now, you know, whatever. And we could have avoided that situation. And I think because I'm so set in my ways of thinking, well, we don't need to text people. We don't need to call people. We don't need to check in with people on our phones when we can have, you know, experiences in real life. But now being in a situation where, you know, my best friends live so far, it's like, no, I do have to text them and I do have to call them. And it's not even, I have to do it because I have to do it. I have to do it because I want to do it. I just didn't realise I wanted to do it before because I didn't understand that it meant so much to them. But now I do realise it means so much to them. And I really do want to work on, like, working on my anxiety with phone calls and texting. Because that's what it is for me. It's not really, like, a conscious thing. It's, like, the avoidance that comes with anxiety that stops me from speaking to people on my phone or, like, consistently having my phone on Do Not Disturb. I just don't, I don't know, it scares me for some reason. Um, But like, I'm trying to work on that and like, communicate that with people to be like, oh, I'm not going to pick up the phone right now, but like, text me, you know? So yeah, I feel that 25 has already kind of started with me realizing a lot about myself. And Well, actually, no. 25 started with me realising I smoked way too much weed in the year of 24. That's how it started. Um, And then I started realising all this. Maybe from the weed, who knows. But, I don't know. I always always kind of break the promise to myself that I'll, like, change and, like, you know, really commit to the bit. But it's ironic, because I would never dare break a promise to somebody else or, like, to my best friend. So why the fuck would I make a promise that I'm going to break to myself? Like, yeah, I don't know, besties. This is how LA is going. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, this is really, this is really the first time in my life I've ever really been away from home for this long and like this far away. And I'm surviving, you know, like I'm not dead yet. So that's cool. And I'm going on a hike this weekend with a friend who lives in LA and I'm going to see Boy Genius in two weeks. Well, yeah, I'm going home in two weeks, which is insane well three weeks um yeah yeah three weeks sorry which is insane because I'm like what the fuck like I just got here but like no Mary it's been a month um but it's been yeah it's been interesting I actually do feel like 
as much as people are like, American food is fake, American food is fake, blah, blah, blah. My stomach has really, really healed in LA. Like, I'm sorry. Like, the kombuchas, the probiotics, the celery juices. Like, the girlies are getting it. They're getting it. They're getting me good. I'm in air one healing my gut. I'm also taking 10,000 steps a day, which is fucking ridiculous for me because I hate walking. Yeah, I just thought I'd check in, honestly. Like, I'm in LA. I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. My Airbnb got broken into. I spent way too much money on hotels. You know, I think a lot of people would look at my life and be like, shit show. I'm going to look at it and choose to think chick flick. So I'll leave you on that one. Bye, besties.